Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is August 16th, 2020, which means I'm on day 246 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Well, folks, the Blazers will not have to play today to prove that they are the eighth seed because they beat Memphis yesterday. Even though I will say one of the players on Memphis was truly spectacular. And he goes by the name of Ja Morant, named after the famous rapper Ja Rule. I'm kidding. I don't know why his name is Ja, and I don't know what the deal is with J.A. being a person's name, doesn't matter to me. John Morant was on fire, and the Blazers had almost no answer for him except C.J. McCollum. That dude came through in the clutch and set the Blazers up for a win, which absolutely puts them in the eighth spot. No more play-in games, no more potential other teams moving above them real quick. It's it's over. It's time for the postseason to begin. And it looks as though we'll be playing the Fakers. That's right. L.A., bring it on. LeBron, or as I like to call him, LeBitch, because that's all he does throughout every single basketball game. He complains. He whines. He has that look on his face of of somebody doing him wrong in some way. And you know what? Whatever. We don't we don't even need to worry about LeBron. It's Dame time, people. The Blazers are playing at a higher caliber level than the Lakers have been playing in this bubble. Now, I understand the Lakers didn't need these wins. It didn't matter to them. They were going to be in first place anyways. But for me, from what I've seen, I call the Blazers getting the W, knocking out the Lakers right away, taking out the number one seed and moving on to the next series that I predict they will win as well. I I got to say, I've got confidence in my Portland team. Now, a lot of you out there, you're probably thinking, this is this is impossible. It's, a, it's an impossible task. The Blazers can't beat the Lakers who have LeBron James, Anthony Davis. You know, they got all these star players. I don't believe that's true. With the return of Nurkic, things are different. The guy had 20 and 20 yesterday. That's 20 points and 20 rebounds, or a little bit more in each category. And I say, with somebody doing that for us, that is the key that we needed to be able to beat teams like the Fakers. Bring it on. Let's go round one NBA playoffs. We're ready. The UFC heavyweight fight with Stipe Miocic fighting Daniel Cormier was an amazing and phenomenal end to the career of DC. Although he didn't take the W, he fought his ass off to the bitter end. It was actually probably difficult to judge this fight as one of the judges. For some reason, two of the judges scored it like 46-49 Stipe. It was closer than that. DC was knocking around Miocic just as much as Miocic was knocking around DC. The difference was that there were times in this fight when Miocic had 
Cormier up against the fence for a significant amount of time, putting him in control of the fight, proving that he's the taller and maybe a little stronger of the two, but I gotta say, for being so much smaller and having such less of a reach as Stipe does, Daniel Cormier put on a show, and it was amazing to watch. I gotta give it up for both of these UFC legends, two of the best heavyweight fighters in MMA history. And it was a legendary fight. This was the end of DC's career, as he said. This would be his last fight, and he's done. He's over 40. That's it. When you're over 40 in the UFC, that's like being over 50 in the NFL. I don't know how these guys keep doing it after being beaten so badly. There was a point, I must say, where Stipe Miocic got a little bit of eye-poke revenge on Daniel Cormier from the previous two fights, when DC had eye-poked Miocic, this time, I swear, Miocic's finger went halfway into the eye socket of DC, and the judge didn't even give DC time to, like, recuperate. Nothing. He basically just made him keep fighting, and it was ridiculous. And I will say, that could have been the difference maker. It very well could have been. In a fight between Junior Dos Santos and Yairinzo Rosenstreich, the guy's name is hard to say, I'm sorry. This dude is from Surina Suriname, or as I used to call it, Suriname. Doesn't really matter. He's from Suriname. Yair Rosenstreich beat Junior Dos Santos to the ground. I'm telling you, this dude is a force to be reckoned with. He should have called out Francis Nganu after that. For taking a bad loss to him, he will not allow that to happen again, I promise you. This dude is a bad dude. Dos Santos looked like he was in possibly the best shape of his career. He was he was skinny, but he was buff. He just looked like he was ready to fight, and he could not handle the strikes of Rosenstrike, and that was it for Dos Santos. It might be time for him to retire as well. We've seen him in his prime. He's done great. But it just might be time for him to hang his hat and call it a day. A lot of people in the UFC are dealing with this. Sean O'Malley, folks. The 12-0 crazy, amazing, spectacular fighter that we've all expected to just become a champion right away got knocked the hell out last night by Marlon Vera. Now, I hardly even know who this guy is. I basically, I think I've seen him maybe one time. But now I know him because he beat Sugar Sean O'Malley in the right way with a flat-out knockout. I mean, this dude got elbowed right at the end of this fight to the extent in which he was lying on the ground for like 10 minutes after the fight was over. Now, they say it's because of his leg. He hurt his foot. You know, during the fight, you can actually see O'Malley's ankle roll, and after that, he was not the same. So, perhaps, maybe, he lost because of his injured foot, but that's no excuse. You gotta know how to step, and you gotta know how to keep on fighting, and this dude got flat-out beat. UFC was fantastic yesterday, folks. I hope you did not miss it. 
Border Patrol authorities at the Port of Buffalo in Buffalo, New York, seized 3,800 pounds of sealed marijuana, worth $8 million on the street. That is so crazy. What are you going to do with all this, is what I wonder. Are you going to burn all this and throw it away? I mean, are you really going to destroy 3,800 pounds of weed? Think about how much Work was involved in growing this weed, picking this weed, drying this weed, packaging this weed, and shipping this weed. And all that hard work just goes up in smoke as this stuff probably is sent to a massive incinerator and destroyed. Nobody makes money, somebody loses a lot of money, and the Border Patrol gets another little bonus from the city for a job well done. I cannot believe this. 3,800 pounds. Now, first of all, they got a commendation for such a good job. They were like, hey, you know what? We can't believe you're staying so vigilant during this difficult time where everybody is getting sick. You know, there's COVID. There's not as many workers available. There's not as many resources for you to use. Well, I'm pretty sure it's easy to find gigantic pallets of 3,800 pounds of weed. I mean, can't anyone point that out? If it's a super wrapped batch of something, you're going to test it no matter what, because what's inside, nobody knows. Then upon entering the room where it is, you probably smell the super dank smell. And if not, because it's wrapped so well and sealed so perfectly then you're going to pursue it even further because why would anything be sealed so much unless it was some type of drug that was being transported? Now, don't get me wrong. I've always said weed is not a drug. It is a wellness medicine and should be enjoyed by all legally and nobody should complain about this. But to transport 3,800 pounds of it through Buffalo, New York, I don't even know where it was headed. I mean, I'm guessing... New York City, you know, my, my greatest guess is that, of course, a city of millions, 10 million, would be the place for this amount of weed to easily be distributed in a quick fashion. But maybe it was on its way to Canada, or maybe it came from Canada down to us, or I don't think it really could have come from Mexico. That seems like too far of a travel. But whoever grew this, man, they're disappointed. I'm sure they flipped on the news, saw that their massive quantity of probably really good dank got seized, and they're telling their boss right now that they're really, really sorry. Now, we all know there was a toilet paper shortage at the beginning of the pandemic. People freaked out. They were worried about wiping their butts. And they went and bought out all the TP at stores. In fact, people were fighting each other in grocery stores over the amount of toilet paper each individual was allowed to buy in their mind. Well, what shortage is there now, five months into the pandemic? I'll tell you what shortage there is. From New York to South Dakota, there is a shortage of pepperoni. Yeah, you heard me right. Pepperoni. Pizza places are finding the demand for pepperoni and the inability to get pepperoni is forcing them to sometimes double their prices 
and change distributors. In fact, one pizza chain in South Dakota has decided after nine years of buying pepperoni from the same place, they have to switch suppliers because the supplier they had had to jack up the price because demand is high. Experts believe, and I don't know who these experts are, pepperoni experts, what, pizza experts, whatever. Experts believe that the reason for this pepperoni shortage is that more people are staying home eating pizza because of the pandemic. Therefore, they're not at work and their wife at home is not making dinner for the kids or vice versa. The wife isn't at work and the kids aren't making themselves mac and cheese for dinner, whatever. People are ordering more pizza and more pepperonis and that is creating a shortage. Plus, the pork industry has suffered from loss of employees making it harder to produce pepperonis, which is not an easy process, by the way. You have to take the conglomerate pork chunks that you want to put into the pepperoni, and it's almost like making sausage links, but instead, it's got more seasoning, it's aged longer, it becomes hardened over time. These are things you have to do to create pepperoni, and we ain't got the time for all that when demand is high and supply is low. Not to mention, companies like Papa John's have just come out with the Shacaroni Pizza, with pizzas that have twice as much pepperoni on it than normal because they want it to have something to do with Shack, and the only thing they can do other than make the pizza massive, because let's face facts, I'm sure Shack can eat an entire Shacaroni Pizza by himself, they add a ton more pepperonis. This is going to create a problem for people like me who love pepperoni on their pizza. Although I don't order pizza out very much, I usually get a frozen DiGiorno or Freschetta pizza and then I add extra mozzarella cheese and I add extra pepperonis, which I have in a separate Hormel container or packet of pepperoni in my fridge. And I add Italian seasoning, basil, oregano, parsley, thyme, rosemary, all these things, and then I add garlic salt, and once I add about a thousand ingredients to the bland, flavorless frozen pizza, it becomes edible. And I have to do that anyways if I buy a pizza from like Domino's or Pizza Hut. Their pizza's so trash and so flavorless and bland, I'm already adding all those ingredients anyways, why not just make it at home with a frozen one that tastes the same in the end? Well, we'll see if you'll have the ability to order pepperoni in the near future considering the pepperoni shortage of 2020. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we've all been waiting for, and that is Real Stories brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankst and Barbecution. That's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. Today, folks, I'm going to tell you why I hate computers. I hate them. I thought when I was young that I would work on computers for my whole life. That would be my career. I just, I predicted it. I was like, I live by Intel. I'm going to get an Intel, you know, scholarship of some kind or some kind of thing where I just, I'm entry level and maybe I don't get paid much, but I'm going to work my way up and I'll eventually create the world's most efficient microchip for all computers. 
until I realized I absolutely hate them. I can't stand it. They never work when I need them to. In fact, my computer has a mind of its own. To the extent in which, if I get on my computer and I need the internet desperately, I'm talking I got an hour left to certify benefits for my unemployment before it expires, and that's how I'm going to pay rent this month. Not a real scenario, but if it was, I would get on my computer, it would absolutely fail, and it would not connect to the internet, although it would say I had full bars on the Wi-Fi, and it would say I'm connected to my Wi-Fi 100%, and it just wouldn't load up the web page because it hates me. Now, I've had some... Very similar scenarios to this happened to me lately. But it's worse than just my computer and my internet issues. My actual printer, which is the same company as my printer, as my computer, they're both HP. I have an HP printer, I have an HP computer. They're both top of the line, brand spanking new. Well, maybe not, about a year old each. And oftentimes I'm able to print whatever I want. They're always connected. I never disconnect them. So there's always a signal from my computer to my printer telling it what I need. And even if there isn't, there's a Wi-Fi connection between the two, but there's an actual cord connection via a, a telephone jack. So a signal will always be going through no matter what. And I'll be printing off stuff left and right for my daughter. She's like, hey, I want to color this character. Can you print me off a blank sheet with them on it that I can color with my crayons and markers? No problem. And then my son, hey, I want to, you know, I want to look at some pictures of this animal. Can you print them off for me in color perfectly? No problem. Prints every time. But then a document that I specifically need for my business, which will simply be a Microsoft Word document or a, a PDF or a JPEG of some kind, will absolutely not work or will get jammed up in my printer or will just refuse to print and will not have a signal get sent no matter what I do. I'll cancel all the pending requests. I'll start over. I'll unplug everything and plug it back in. I'll resume print. I'll do everything I possibly can, and it won't print the document I need. Then I'll leave the room, get into my vehicle, drive to a Kinko's and print it off there because my printer, which should be perfect, is a piece of shit. And I'll arrive home to find that it decided to print an hour later and drop it onto my floor where my son found it and thought it would be fun to rip it into shreds. These are the issues I deal with on a constant basis every single day. My latest problem is that my internet would only load certain web pages, not others, only certain. And this has nothing to do with porn because I don't look at porn on my regular computer. It's out in my living room. I choose phone for porn because I can go to any room I want. I have computer issues that you could not even fathom. I got onto my computer and I needed to get to a government website. It was an important day. I had to do this on this day, no matter what. I had to input 
my sales and use taxes for the quarter for my business. Every quarter of each year, you have to input your sales and use taxes or you'll get hit with a penalty at the end of the year if you wait too long. So my sales and use taxes, they were very simple to input for this last quarter because they were nothing because of the pandemic. My sales were zero. So all I had to do was tell the government that I haven't made money in this last quarter so they wouldn't tax me for money I didn't make. But would my computer load this web page? No. Every time I went to it, it was web page not available. Did I change the URL and shift it around a little bit to try that as well? Yes. Did I try multiple different variations of the website? Yes. Did I try Facebook for fun to see if it worked? Yes and yes, it did work. It allowed me to be on Facebook on my computer, but wouldn't allow me to go to this government web page. So then I thought maybe... I just don't know what the web page is. I'm entering it wrong. Let's try another random web page. So I went to Reserve America, a web page I had hit up recently to reserve a campsite for me and my friends in Oregon when we went on our annual camping trip. It wouldn't show up. So I went to any other website. I just started choosing random ones. I went to GoDaddy.com because that's the website in which I have my web page for my business run through. Wouldn't load that either. It would load nothing except my email inbox or Facebook. And then I thought maybe it's loading an old Facebook page and it's not updated and it's it's still just tricking me into thinking that it's only allowing some web pages when it should be allowing none or all. So I looked at the Facebook feed and the last post was 10 minutes before I'd gotten onto the page. So I know it was refreshing because I had been seeking out these web pages for over an hour. So I called my tech cousin who knows everything about computers and he walked me through like 75 different ways there could be an issue and every single one of them didn't pan out and even he was mind-boggled by the fact that my computer just decided for no reason out of the blue to only open some web pages, but not 90% of the other ones that existed in the world. So what do I do? I have to borrow a one terabyte external hard drive, download everything I possibly can that might not be corrupt data, onto the hard drive from my computer and then wipe the entire computer clean and restore it to its default settings in order to try again and see if the internet works. So I do all this. I track down an external hard drive. I put it in. I wait for hours as it loads up all the stu stuff. And after it loads up everything, I double, triple, and quadruple check to ensure that every aspect of my business, including all the documents I'm always going to need and information that has everything to do with my corporation and the fact that people could easily steal my entire identity and take out a $75,000 loan under my business name and then blow all the money for fun behind my back, was on the hard drive and I wiped my computer clean. I restarted it, I re-downloaded everything, and I clicked on the internet to see if it worked, and it still didn't. I was about to office space this thing and take it outside and smash it with a bat 
and have like my friends around me with some gangster rap music. You know the scene in Office Space where they destroy the copy machine because of all the harm it has done to their morale and how it has broken them down mentally. And that is how my computer is to me. It hates me. It doesn't want to help me. Until finally I realized after wiping it clean, it didn't recognize my Wi-Fi and I had to get it reconnected. And after I did that, the internet works perfectly once again. But that means I now have the absolutely daunting task of deciding what portions of the external hard drive I want to put back on my computer and which portions of the external hard drive may have been the reason that the internet for some websites wouldn't work and all this other stupid crap and nobody's ever going to have as many problems with computers as I do. I've realized over the years I hate them. I've never had a computer that's worked well. Every single mechanical and electronic device I've ever had does the exact same things as what I just described to you my computer does. Whether it's a phone, a tablet, a TV, it doesn't matter. My last TV that I bought, brand new, giant, flat screen, amazing, brand new, top of the line, LG Smart TV, decided after a few months, in fact, after a day past its warranty, I'm not kidding, a day, past its warranty, it started turning off and on every 15 minutes without any notice. And it wasn't the timer on my TV because that wasn't on at all. And it wasn't the TV overheating. And it wasn't anything. I simply looked it up and it said that specific model has that issue sometimes and you can send it to a person who will fix it for you, an authorized LG dealer, but there isn't any in San Diego. So I can take my TV and drive it up to Los Angeles in three-hour traffic, find a dealer who works on it, give them multiple days to fix it, because they're going to have to order a part from LG, which I assume is somewhere in Asia. When that arrives and they fix it, I can then drive back up to LA in three hours traffic, drive back home with this TV that really doesn't even fit in my car, it's so big, and then... Finally, it will work again. Well, I'm not going to do that. So now it's a massive paperweight in my house and I bought another brand new TV. Lesson to be learned here, folks, is do not trust electronics. They are the devil, especially anything computer related. I hate it so very much. I'm talking into a phone, which I also don't love. Thank you for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. I appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you have a fantastic afternoon, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, if it was up to me, folks, I would take all of technology and crap that doesn't work for me correctly and burn it down. I would just light a match and walk away. I'm, I'm okay living in the woods. I don't even care because I cannot stand technology well, I'm using it right now to talk to you. I'm such a hypocrite. Listen to me talk crap about technology and then use it to explain the reason why I hate it. But to signify my hatred for it and how I would burn it all down, here's a song called Burn It Down by Linkin Park. <laughs>